Hello, everybody, and welcome to Indie Cult, the podcast where we discuss the struggles and learning experiences of independent artists and creative minds. I'm George, and today I am joined by... I'm Nick. Welcome, Nick. First time on the show. Short time listener, first time caller. I guess you're not calling, but whatever. <laughs> so, welcome. It's been a long time since I've seen you, uh, or uh, since we've spoken amidst uh, COVID-19. Yeah. Um, actually, I was kind of going to cut you off in the intro and kind of like throw it back to our old podcast intro and be like, oh, no, this is say hello to the bad guys. But I was like, no, nah, let me not. <laughs> no, you really just you really just dropped that bomb just now. huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. We used to host a podcast together. This is not my first podcast. No, surprise, it's not. surprise, surprise. I've done this before. <laughs> Yeah, we used to host a podcast. Why don't you uh, talk about it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, our podcast was more geared towards like the comic. Um, well, it started off as like a comic, um, like TV show, movies type podcast, and then kind of like took on its own life form where we started more like getting more into like film and music and more like behind the scenes stuff about it but then you guys transitioned into like a second season and then it became a lost podcast or something okay, hold on <laughs> all right let's let's back it up for a second so yes first off it started off as it meant it, it was meant to be a kind of like a a comparison between comic book adaptations and their source material, right? I think that's what it was meant to be. Like, yeah. how does the new whatever X-Men movie compare to the X-Men comics and shit like that? Yeah. That's like was the original concept. Um, that was what it was supposed to be. And then it kind of morphed into, like you said, it became like, we just kind of just talked about any movie. Yeah. So it became almost like a movie discussion slash review slash whatever mm. podcast. Um, and then you decided you wanted to quit. Yeah. Story of my life. <laughs> and then I replaced you with two other, uh, ha go, uh, hosts. Yeah. Cause apparently I need two people to make up for you, man. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you guys turned it into a lost podcast, which is your favorite show, right? So no, <laughs> sort of. We actually did like a, a, a second podcast spinoff oh, yeah, because it yeah. became like a reoccurring joke to talk about Lost. Um, and so we decided, why don't we do a podcast where we watch an episode of Lost and then discuss it afterwards. So it was literally like each episode was dedicated to a single episode of Lost. Um, but at that point, one of the co-hosts didn't want to do either podcasts anymore and they just died. Um, Wait, they actually died? The podcast? Oh, the podcast died. Yeah. No, no, no. The no, he's yeah. alive and well, but no, no the, the podcast the podcast just kind of died. Yeah. Um, they weren't... I mean, I think they got better as they went, obviously. Like with anything, the more you do it, the better you get at it. But um, it just seemed like a lot of the interest from a lot of the people involved wasn't there anymore. 
Um, so we kind of just stopped doing it. And it didn't really become successful in any way, shape or form. So it just, it was easy to very, to just pull the plug on it. I think you took a small break between that time and then in Decult. A big break. Yeah. Like a couple years. Um, it, it wasn't even a break. I wasn't really thinking about, okay, what's my next podcast going to be? Right. It was just like, okay, like I tried this for a while and whatever, it fizzled out. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, but then I decided it would be fun to kind of start up another podcast, especially because this launched when when COVID and the, and the lockdown and, and shelter in place and all that stuff first kicked off. That's when I started recording episodes because I thought I've everyone has a little bit more free time now. I figured maybe it's a it's a good time, and I thought it might be a good idea to do a podcast about my experiences as someone who's just now setting um, foot in the filmmaking world with short films, and I feel like it might be beneficial to myself, to the people who I've collaborated with to just kind of discuss the process and maybe anybody listening who is in a similar situation might feel like they're not in it alone because it is difficult. It is, it is very time consuming. It's, it's a lot of work. And I just thought it might be good to put that out there and maybe a couple people who are also in that same space can relate maybe. So let's kind of, talk about that a bit more i know me personally when i first started doing the podcasts with you um i was very uncomfortable doing them and i think that just comes with like age and like where i was at that point in my life and that kind of thing but i think as time has progressed since the first podcast that we did or even for yourself where like you've become a lot more comfortable with doing episodes um i can say this is like the first time that i'm doing a podcast i'm not as uncomfortable about it which i think is i guess like that tells a lot with um how much time has passed in between like say hello to the bad guys and from now um but i think was it difficult for you to figure out like what you wanted your next podcast to be or well, I feel like when you phrase it that way, it's almost like I was like, okay, what's my next podcast going to be? And it wasn't like that. I, I, I didn't just want to just do a podcast for the sake of doing a podcast. I just thought that maybe this would be a good topic to try doing a podcast about. Not The, the idea came first and then the decision to do a podcast afterwards. I, I like it overall. It, it's fun. I mean, it's just talking, really. It's just me talking to my friends. I do that anyway, so might as well record it. And I mean, there's just many times where, you know, I'm, I'm talking, I'm, and I'm sure a lot of people have these moments where you're like, oh man, I wish someone was recording that. That was such a great, that was so funny, or that was such a great moment. So I was just like, why don't we do it, you know? With time in between the fir your first podcast and then this one, it seems like you've kind of like found your footing, I guess, and like your topic and where you want to kind of like roll with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was, I was very uncomfortable with like when we first started as well. Um, and I had a really weird thing about 
I was very self-conscious about self-promotion. So I didn't tell anybody that I was doing a podcast. In fact, I actively didn't want people to know, um, which is weird because it's like, well, your first audience should be people that you know, um, unless you're like super famous already, obviously. Um, but I didn't want to share it just because I was so shy or just self-conscious in general. Um, and obviously over the years, I've gotten way better at, at that. I, I, I still am not big on self-promotion. I also don't want to be like obnoxious about it where everybody's, you know, Instagram feed is like me promoting myself and, oh, look, I just did a podcast or, oh, look, I just did another short film. You know, like I'll share things that I think are especially noteworthy. But yeah, for the longest time, I was just like so insecure and uncomfortable about sharing anything that I was working on. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people go through that, uh, especially when they're kind of trying something new. Um, but you kind of like did turn into that self-promotion asshole now. Like you're always posting about your podcast like every week. It's a oh, new episode. Uh. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> I post once a week on the story. It's not even a real post. <laughs> it's on the story. And I say, oh, another episode is out. Once a week, I post about it. So if it goes away in 24 hours, it's kind of like you're still ashamed to promote yourself. No, it's it's not. I'm not ashamed anymore. It's just that I don't want to be like super annoying and in your face. Like, like, I don't want people to look at it and be like, oh, my God, this again. So I feel like one story once a week. Is that really that egregious? People fucking post 10 selfies a day in their story. No, I, I know. I'm just, it's not that deep anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you listen to any podcasts yourself or? Oh yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, um, basically this podcast is a ripoff of all the other podcasts <laughs> I listen to. No, I listen, I listen to, um, a lot of podcasts. Yeah. So I don't listen to any, which mm -hmm. I think like to me initially was weird to do a podcast to begin with, but um, I'm the type of person where if there's a certain celebrity or like actor, musician and that kind of thing that I'm interested in. And if they're on a podcast, I'll only listen to that specific episode because I feel yeah. like it just fulfills like that specific interest that I'm looking for. But I won't. I just I cannot get into the podcast thing myself. It might just be that you haven't found the right podcast. Maybe. Um, there's different, there's different benefits to different podcasts. Like, yeah. Okay. The celebrity interview style podcasts, those are probably, um, those are probably by like big podcasters. So they have a shit ton of listeners already. Um, but if you find like smaller podcasts, you can kind of get a little bit of a community feeling out of it. Like if you find a, a medium to small sized podcast, that has an active fan base, it almost feels like you're part of a little club. And that can be, um, that could be a, one of the benefits to, to, to listening to a podcast. Yeah. It's kind of like a lot more intimate, I guess. Yeah. It's more intimate. You feel like, you feel like you have a little bit more of a relationship with the listener. Like if you're listening to somebody like, like Joe Rogan, who's one of the biggest podcasters in the world, He's got millions upon millions of, of listeners. And yeah, he has a lot of great people as guests, but you don't feel like you just feel like you're part, you're just in the crowd. But if it's a small podcast, 
like this one <laughs> uh, where it's just like a, a group of people talking. You can feel like sometimes you can even interact with the podcasters on social media and and sometimes even the the fans themselves kind of get to know each other just by talking on Twitter or whatever. So you can get a little bit of a communal feeling out of out of a podcast if you're if you're really uh, into it. So I guess to kind of um, touch on that, I think we're at a very interesting time in the entertainment and art sector where there's a lot of going directly to the fans and kind of creating those intimate communities, I guess you could say, where, you know, there's a lot of actors and artists out there that kind of use platforms to either crowdfund projects or you know, things like a Patreon to kind of shelve out like a small community where you pay a monthly fee. So I guess for you, someone who works on their own projects and that kind of thing, is that something that you could see yourself getting into later on down the line or... You mean like setting up a Patreon? A Patreon or um, an Indiegogo to like raise funds for something. Um, Yeah, I don't think that... I'm not... Uh, I think that's a that's a good resource, and I'm definitely uh, open to that. I I would want like if I wanted to raise funds for a film, I wouldn't want to ask for money from people unless I think it's really really worth taking money from somebody else. Um, you know, right now I'm in the short film space, and I also use this as an opportunity to learn how to make films because eventually my goal is to make a feature length film, which I haven't done yet. And something that I've said before on this podcast, I consider this stage in my life um, almost like I'm in film school because I'm using my short films as a a way to learn how to make films. So I wouldn't want to take money from someone for that. Um, But if I get to a point where I'm working on something big um, and I'm lucky enough to have people interested in contributing, then yeah, I think it's a great resource to use. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a an interesting time right now where you kind of don't need the middleman. And I think a lot of um, old industry methods and ways of doing things are no longer, no longer the way to do it anymore. I think everyone's kind of gotten creative and like thinking outside the box and uh, kind of building out their own like little intimate communities, I guess that kind of makes the experience a lot more memorable too, I guess, in a way. Going back to how you were saying, like certain podcasts have more intimate communities and that kind of thing. I think uh, when you take part of a project and you're kind of that financial backer or something and like you see it from start to finish, you kind of get that personal you, you feel like you're part of the journey, like you're part of the project, yeah. you're part of the team because you contributed yeah. to the project. Yeah, I think I think what you're saying is, is right. I, I think it's not the, the old way of doing things is not the only way anymore because of things like the Internet um, that's allowing people to to connect. It feels like getting funding from a, a big studio for your film is not necessarily the only way to go about it anymore. Obviously, though, you do need to have enough people who are willing to support you in that regard and, and have that community behind you. Oh, for sure. I mean, you you can have a great idea, but if you don't, 
it kind of like hurts you because if you don't have a good social media following or kind of um a name backing you then it's like no one's gonna really like find out about your project you're gonna have a hard time kind of marketing it out there yeah so that's kind of like the downside to it but i think all those things come with their own pros and cons you know yeah i mean the the I mean, I think the pros of of having a big studio behind you are undeniable. Oh, um, for sure. It's like they'll yes, they they will they will take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. Now, you want to make the argument that they're gonna try to take advantage of you because you're a small time filmmaker, whatever. I mean, maybe, but who's gonna f- pay for that movie to be in the theaters? It's, Right. Like, I'm sorry, but uh, a GoFundMe is not going to do that. A GoFundMe might be able to get you financing to make a small budget movie. But when you're talking about a, like a theatrical release worldwide, it's just so expensive. Yeah, I know you guys, well, you, Evan and John had kind of mentioned in another episode that it costs money to even submit your films into... Um, festivals festivals Mm -hmm. so does it cost money just for the application or it costs money to even get it submitted into the festival itself so there's no application it's just a submission fee gotcha so yeah you go and you find whatever festival you want to submit to and and the way they operate is they they take money for every submission um, and then you find out if you're selected so if your film doesn't get selected, they still charge you that fee. It's not about um, getting in. They'll charge you whether you get in or not. That's how they stay in business. So it doesn't guarantee you? No, it doesn't guarantee. It's not like, it's not like a bribe. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't guarantee you anything. All it, it, it only guarantees you that they will consider you. Like that, that a judge at the festival will view your film and consider it. That's the only guarantee you get from, from submitting it. Have you guys had like a lot of luck with the festivals or um we've been having more luck uh with our third short film the crumbling however showings are not happening right now so i guess lucky in that we're getting a better response from festivals than we have in the past unlucky in that we're not actually going to to screenings because of of lockdown true so with covid and whatever is going on have you found yourself like having more time to be creative and flush out ideas or do you find yourself at a creative block no i've definitely made use of this time um as you know we were supposed to shoot a short film in april that didn't happen because of because of covid um but that did give us more time to to work on certain things and i think the film will be better because of the extra time in truth. Like we, we got some more gear that we're going to use on the film and it's just given us more time to think about things. And so I think that film has, is going to benefit by having the pause. Like it's frustrating when you think like I would have shot this already and possibly even like finished editing it by now. But yeah, overall, not to repeat myself, but overall I think it, it, the film will benefit. And also I've been putting a lot more, uh, work into writing, which if we had shot um, that short film, obviously I wouldn't be thinking about writing anything. I would just be thinking about editing it and all that stuff. So yeah, uh, 
Evan and I have both written some scripts and there's a script that we're working on right now that we feel confident in. And when I say script this time, I mean a feature feature length scripts. We've got a couple of feature length scripts that we're working on um, right now that wouldn't have been written if it wasn't for um, having more free time because of the, the lockdown. So you kind of also saying earlier that in a way you're kind of putting yourself through film school unofficially with doing all of this, writing shorts or even your own first feature. Do you find yourself going on YouTube to, you know, type in like how to write a screenplay or something, or do you kind of just wing it? Like, is there a method to your process? Um, yeah. So, uh, I've definitely watched videos and I've read books on on screenwriting and filmmaking in general. Um, uh, and that's just something I've been doing for a while. This isn't something that I just started doing now. There is a, a degree of diminishing returns after a while. Um, there's only so many books and videos you can watch on filmmaking before it's just people paraphrasing the thing the last guy said. Right. You know, so... Once you read one or two, I mean, let's say two books on screenwriting. If you read two good books on screenwriting, I don't know how much better you're going to get by reading the third book and then the fourth book. I think at that point, you got to just start writing. And and I think personally, and again, I'm not speaking from a, a level of real experience, but just my own two cents my from what my own experience has taught me, there's nothing like, like learning from experience. Um like I said, I read I read books on filmmaking before and I watched videos and tutorials on filmmaking before I shot my first short film. I didn't learn as much from those videos than from what I learned when I actually shot it and saw the footage come back and realized all the mistakes that I made. That because that's that's the way you learn because you make the mistake and you're like, "Okay, I'm never making that mistake again." That that first shoot was um it was quite the experience. Yeah. Oh, we should say the first short film, Seeker, you were associate producer yes. on. And you also allowed us to use your apartment that we kind of reorganized to make it into a, a therapist's office. Office, yeah. Um, I like did not expect you guys to come in with all that equipment you guys came in with. Um, and I remember thinking... This is only going to be like four hours out of my day and they'll be in and out, whatever. I was so mistaken. That was totally not the case. But I think it really opened my eyes up to the whole process. And I've always been intrigued by the behind the scenes stuff um, when it comes to filming, whether it's shorts or feature lengths. Or music videos but uh i've always had an interest in certain like stylistic uh, aesthetic decisions and that kind of thing uh so watching you and evan on set kind of really taught me a lot to this day don't ask me what an associate producer does because i don't <laughs> fucking know i think i just keep that title because it's like a title i could get away with and just update my imdb page and <laughs> You guys keep giving it to me, so no, no. Well, you've complaints. only gotten it once. What are you talking about? Keep giving it to you. You well, used to be future roles. I said it was funny because, like, we were we were looking for a location uh, for a while, and 
I thought about asking you, but you know, again, I didn't want to impose because I didn't want to make it seem like I'm going to be upset if you say no, like I wouldn't have been. Um, but you know, you don't want to feel like you're imposing on a friendship or, or anything like that, right? I did feel pressured. No, well, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to put the pressure on to get the job done. But anyway, so I said like, I said it in like a passing thing. I was just like, I was just like, yeah, if we could use your space for a couple days and, and, and this, and you know, maybe we could give you like, I don't know, associate producer credit or something. I said in passing and you latched onto it. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Associate producer credit. Like you liked that. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> but like, I just said it without like, not that I didn't mean it, obviously like we did it, but but I just said it kind of like in passing so I would feel good about asking you for your space. So it feels like you're getting something back. Right. Um, but but also, you didn't really do anything. No, I, I'm sorry, I, you didn't do anything. I really did not do anything. I think I hit the like marker board a few times, yeah, you know. Yeah, you and, did. But um, you were so excited about it. I got I, videos yeah. of you. You got the biggest <laughs> grin ear to ear. Yeah. Uh, on the With the clapper. I think I've always been interested in the idea of like certain things but then when it comes to actually like execute i'd rather not like i'd rather just like in certain instances like those like get by with just doing the bare minimum but like i've helped you guys out with posters and like yeah certain things for um you're good with photoshop so yeah. we, we've enlisted your help in in uh in building out the posters that we use for our short yeah. films yeah but I think either way, if I had gotten the credit or not, I still would have offered my apartment to help out. Because I think it's just very interesting to be a part of, you know, bringing someone's vision to life and um, ideas and, again, yeah. watching it go from start to finish. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, I've been in situations before in the past where you want to do something and there's just a lot of talk about it. But then when it actually comes to doing it, nobody seems to actually be interested in doing the work. They just like the fantasy of it. So it was really exciting when um, we actually started working on Seeker because it, it felt really real at that point. And, and for a while, I think, you know, it's, it's been a few years now, but but I think for a while, I, I would always check with Evan and be like, yo, we're like, we're really going to do this, right? And he'd be like, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. And then like a few weeks later, I'd be like, yo, like, we're really going to do this, right? He goes, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. You know, because I've just been in that situation before. We're like, oh, we should do this. You're like, yeah, yeah. And then when the time comes, like nobody wants to do it. Yeah. You know? Like I, I remember when you guys showed up with crates and stuff the night before. I was like, shit just got real. Yeah. Yeah. What do you thought we'd show up with like a camcorder and like one light or something? Yeah. yeah. And I like always bother Evan to this day. And I'm like, well, have you ever thought about going digital? And he's like, no, like film's the way to go. Yeah. There was. Yeah. So uh, again, for anybody that this might be their first episode, we sh shoot on film. Um, so yeah, we have like a big film camera, 16 millimeter uh, Arri camera. Um, yeah. Digital cameras are smaller and, and more flexible and that that gives them their own benefit um it's funny like yeah you're, you're i remember this one time evan also collects uh films like when i say films i mean real films like movies on film like right. actual film reels on 16 and 8 millimeter and i remember once he was telling you about it and you just looked at him and go but can't you just download them <laughs> <laughs> i'm such an asshole and sometimes he, but, but but he looked at you like 
like he didn't even know how to answer because it's like you so missed the whole point. Right. Of course you could just download them. It's like, oh, I just got Silence of the Lambs on film. And you're like, oh, but it's on Netflix, no? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the point isn't to watch the movie. I mean, that's part of the point. But but it's also the experience of actually watching the movie on film. That's the point of it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm not amazed, but I just can't believe the shit that comes out of my mouth because I'm the same way about music. Like, I'll say, oh, I have this album in my iTunes library, but then I also have it on vinyl. Right. And I'm like, but it's part of the experience. And, you know, vinyl sounds warm and X, Y, and Z reasoning. And like, it's the same thing. It's like if you told me, oh, look what I just got on vinyl. Right. You're like, bro, it's on Apple Music. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, but the point is to play it on vinyl. Yeah. Because of the aesthetic that vinyl gives you that the digital version doesn't give you. I find it interesting, though, because. Film and media have such specific terms. And I feel like sometimes a lot of those terms, whether you're talking about like, uh, you know, film, like being like 32 millimeter, 35, 35 and that kind of thing. It's like some of those things you're either taught in school or you're just taught through experience. Yeah. Um, how'd you end up getting familiarized with a lot of those terms? Um, I, I, because I know you didn't go to film school. So. No, you know I didn't go. Um, I don't know. Um, I think it just stems from always having an interest in making films and the filmmaking process and just doing, just looking things up on my own. Um, who knows? Like it could have been that at one point I was just like looking at some info about a film and I saw a shot on 35 millimeter and maybe I was like, well, what does that mean? And then I looked that up and I, I don't know. Like, in my mind, I've always known it, which obviously isn't true. Um, it's almost like saying, when did you learn to, I don't know, when did you learn that vinyl records exist? Right. It's like, who knows? Like, at some point you saw it, you heard something about it, you looked into it. I don't know. It, when you have an interest in something at an early age, you just kind of figure out ways to learn about it. And it's just, I've just known about... 35 millimeter film and 16 millimeter film and eight millimeter film and 70 millimeter film. Um, for so long, I can't pinpoint at what time and at what moment I learned of the existence of, of that. Were there any films or, I don't know, something art related that made you think, hey, this is something that or got you thinking and made you think like, hey, I kind of want to create after watching this listening to this that kind of thing yeah um i think there's separate there's a few moments um and i've discussed this before on the podcast um there's separate moments in my youth where i um was really impacted by by a movie um so when i've always watched movies since i was a kid um and one of the movies that really had a strong impact on me was Steven Spielberg movies. Um, those were like the first movies I started watching as a kid. And Steven Spielberg had this very unique way of capturing um, a sense of wonder in his movies. So like Jurassic Park, E.T., Jaws, like I really, well, Jaws, I mean, it's a horror movie, so it's it's a little bit different. But But anyway, what I mean is like Steven Spielberg movies were like my first exposure to movies, at least in memory. Um, but I always liked movies as a kid. And then when I saw Star Wars, when I was really young, like maybe, I don't know, seven, who, around there, um, that was really like a movie that 
really stayed with me after I saw it. And then I had a similar experience uh, when I watched Superman the movie. And then when I really started appreciating movies as an art form was when I was a tween, like maybe like 11 years old, I saw uh, Pulp Fiction for the first time. And that was the first time I saw a movie that was uh, structured that way, like non-linearly. And it really resonated with me, like, it really resonated with me the the artistry that goes into, into filmmaking, just because it wasn't your standard structure. For the first time, I saw a movie that didn't start at the beginning and end at the end. You know, no. it, it really made me realize that there's a craft to filmmaking. Right. But what about Superman and Star Wars was it that stood out to you and left that impression? I think... Well, first of all, for, for Star Wars, there is such a grandness to it that I think, especially for kids, it really immerses you um, in the story and the movie. I, I think also there, there's an element of Star Wars is a, is a tale as old as time type thing where um, even though there's politics involved and the movies kind of got more complicated as they went on, the structure of, of the original Star Wars is very simple. It's very black hats and white hats. Right, and what I mean by that, it's like an old Western movie expression, meaning the good guys were white hats in the Westerns and the bad guys were black hats in the Westerns. There was no qualms about who's good and who's bad, right? And there was just something about the story of this little group of rebels against all odds fighting for what they believe in to take down this evil totalitarian regime, even though the odds are stacked against them, but they're through their sheer power of will, they were successful in doing so. And I think as a kid, that really spoke to me uh, in that moment. And of course, Darth Vader's cool as fuck. And, True. you know, like that doesn't hurt. Um, and then Superman is a similar thing. Um, I didn't know who Superman was when I saw the movie. Um, that kind of movie, that movie kind of led me into getting into comics um, soon after because I wanted to consume more Superman. Um, but again, Superman's very simple as well. Here's the ultimate superhero. This is the person that can do no wrong. This is your role model. And I think I kind of, I, I, that kind of gave me um, an ideal to aspire towards. And, you know, the music by John Williams, which was same composer as Star Wars, probably kind of bridged a little bit because he has a similar uh, style, you know, his, his music. So I guess that kind of bridged it a little bit where maybe it reminded me of Star Wars kind of. Um, but, but yeah, it was just, it was just, I mean, when you're a kid, there's just like this cathartic moment of seeing the hero prevail against the villain. I think too, a lot of things kind of, um, intertwined for you, mm -hmm. like Spielberg movies and then the same composer for Star Wars and Superman, like, mm -hmm. and probably unknowingly, cause I don't think anyone at such a young age is going out like, I didn't know. To watch movies by the same director or be like, oh, this is composed by the same guy. Yeah. Let me watch it. When I fell in love with with Star Wars, I mean, uh, uh, Jurassic Park and E.T., I don't really, I, I, there's no way I had any concept that right. it was by the same director. But there was just something about, because also Steven Spielberg has a style for those types of movies. Like when he did those kid movies, let's say, like Jurassic Park and E.T., he has, that, he has a very distinct style that appeals to people of a younger age. And 
I think that his style just appealed to me and I didn't know that it was the same person. But I guess something in me recognized that there's something about both of these movies um, that, that I liked. Yeah, I think um, for myself, I never really saw myself as a creative type. Like, I don't think I'm able to flush out ideas the way you are or be a storyteller in that sense. But I think I've always been impacted by the arts as well. I can't really think of movies that kind of like come to mind that impacted me, but definitely like music or, you know, even X-Men, the animated series growing up, like that really led me into my interests of comic books. And then kind of growing up and hearing my mom play Fleetwood Mac around the house or like Pink Floyd really like led me into music. And then I think from there following like certain musicians on their journeys and seeing them go from like signed to major labels and then being dropped and then going on the independent route really taught me about um music business and public relations and stuff like that and then eventually led me down that path to go to school and study that and then like professionally work in that industry but it i think it's so interesting as how art unintentionally kind of like leaves that impact on people and you know from there kind of kind of in a way shapes who you end up becoming yeah i i I agree with that i mean yeah you you, like what you said briefly before is you're not really uh you don't consider yourself a, a creative type in the sense that you don't use creativity as like your main outlet but you're definitely appreciator of the arts oh yeah um in a big way and but i think what you're saying is true in that you're not as an audience member you're not meant to really uh, understand or vocalize what it is about the movie or the song or the painting that impacted you because it's almost like it's the creator's job to make sure that it's not obvious right right? someone who is very much interested in the creative field in terms of being a creator themselves they make it their their mission to understand all that stuff so they can implement it in their own work. So I, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm being pretentious or anything, but I would have a better understanding of the intricacies that went into a film just because I'm interested. I, I'm interested in all the techniques used to create that emotion. But your job as an, as a viewer, as an audience member, is just to feel that and take it in. You know, and, and I almost feel like there's two two different types of an appreciation. Like I can say, oh, like I this this scene makes me feel this way, and that's really cool because he's the, the filmmaker is doing this this and that to make that feeling. Oh, that's really cool. But I lose out a little bit on just getting the feeling and not knowing where it's coming from that that the average uh, moviegoer experiences. Wow, that was really pretentious. I know. No, I'm kidding. Um, Yeah, I I totally get that. And I think when I was in high school and I really didn't have a good sense of self, um, I always went out to kind of read up interviews with directors or even like musicians and see if I heard a song that I liked or a movie that I liked. I always wanted to know like what were their intentions or were they trying to convey what was the message that they were trying to send out? And then, you know, I'd land on some interviews where the artists would be like, oh, well, 
you know, it's whatever you want it to be. Like, and I think that really stood out to me even more growing up because someone who kind of had a lot of like teen angst and what just like wasn't happy and like for no particular reason because I had a pretty good like upbringing. It was just, I hated school, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, kind of like being able to like take art and define it as yourself, it kind of became like an outlet for me where art kind of conveyed how I was feeling when I couldn't convey myself how I was feeling. Yeah, I think art is very personal. Um, and that's, that's I, I think that any creator should not ever answer those questions of what did you mean by this? Because once it goes out into the world, what they meant by it no longer matters. It no longer has any value to me what so-and-so filmmaker or so-and-so musician wanted the audience to feel what the audience felt is what they felt and that's personal to them and and they are in no place to tell you that what you felt was wrong because that's what they meant what they meant no longer matters it doesn't matter what you meant what matters is what the 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 viewer or the listener or whatever experienced yeah i mean um i've heard like a lot of artists too say that you know once like their arts out there whether it's a song or like a movie finish like it's no longer theirs anymore like it's out to the audience and like they can do with it what they want they can take away from it what they want and that kind of thing um and you know kind of just goes to show how uh that creative process from start to finish how much it really like takes out of you and how much it belongs to you and then once you release it, it's kind of like you've given a huge part of yourself away. Yeah, I, art can be very personal. Throughout like watching you, because you've also acted in a few of these projects as well, or I guess you've been in all of them? Technically, yes. In, the, in our first one, Seeker, it was like a little cameo. Right. I had like one line towards the end. Um, in this and in the in the other ones so far that have been shot, I had a prominent role. Yeah. So I have to say, for someone who has no acting experience, like your performances and all of them have always stood out to me as being really bad, terrible, the worst. Uh, no, um, they've always stood out to me because I feel like they've always been a lot more natural, and I wonder if that's because you're so connected to the source material that like they're your own fleshed out ideas that that's why you're able to bring that to the table or was it just like I guess what was the deciding factor that made you think oh let me be in this and I'm not afraid to you know be in front of the camera too and that kind of thing um so I guess there's multiple parts to your question um I don't think um, I, I actually think the fact that I am, um, also like directing or producing while acting, I don't think that helps me. I think that makes it harder because it's hard to assess yourself when you're not watching yourself and we don't really have the time to do like playback where I can sit and go, okay, yeah, that was good. Well, you guys are also filming on film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, there, there's ways where you could set up like a, a monitor that records what the camera sees and then you okay. could play that back. There's ways that you can do it, but we don't have the time. So, so sometimes it's just like, 
you know, after a certain point, it's like whatever we got, we got, or I trust um, Evan to assess my own performance. I mean, he's a director too, so he does a good job of assessing. Um, personally, um, I appreciate that you're saying that you liked my performances. I'm definitely my own worst critic a lot of the time. Um, I don't think anything that you've seen is my best go at it personally, but I, I might always feel that way. So who knows? So I like acting. That's one thing. I've always liked uh, acting and I think I have a good, I, I think, emphasis on think, I think I have a good understanding of what acting entails and I've taken acting classes and when I was in college. Oh, you did? Yeah, I have taken acting classes. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I used to be in school plays in elementary school. Yeah, but that's different. Like what, yeah. you're like but, the but, cat and cats or something? No, like... no. But, well, it's all cat and cats. That's a pretty good part if you're the cat and cats. <laughs> No, like uh, I was, I was, I was Timon in in Lion King. That's quite the role. It is quite the role. It's a, it's a big role. Yeah. I was Rasputin in Anastasia. Wow, your school put on big productions. Oh, they were terrible though. <laughs> it was like the the scenery never changed. It was just uh, whatever. Um, and anyway, but but besides the point, I think I'm just bringing that up to say that I've always had an interest in the filmmaking process, um, and also. When I was a kid, when I first started becoming interested in filmmaking, I wanted to be an actor because that was the only thing I seemed to, as a kid, that's the only thing that exists. You don't realize how many other people work on the movie because you only see the actors. You don't realize that the actors are not the ones writing it and that there's directors and cinematographers and all this stuff like- And associate producers. Associate producers, yeah. You don't realize that all that is going on. So I wanted to be an actor. and, and I still like acting and I, I would still like to, to continue to act um, whenever I can. Now, my decision or I, Evan and I share decision for me to play parts in the movies that we've done is for two reasons. One, I do like acting. And two, sometimes you just work with what you got when you're trying to keep the budget down and you're working super indie, um, really low to no budget like we are, where it's like, hey, look, I'm here. I can do a decent enough job acting. Why not, you know, consider me for, for parts that are, that are open. Right. So I guess in like its own way, it kind of all comes full circle too, where, you know, as a kid, like you mentioned how you thought of acting as like a gateway into like making movies and that kind of thing. And like, you know, if we think back to when we were growing up in the 90s and there was no social media or even like mobile devices and that kind of thing, it was always like you had to go out, get an agent, do some like student short films, hope to get signed, audition, and then, yeah, you know, that'd be your way to create art. Or if you were in film school, you'd get I guess, um, assignments and, but then if you kind of like, again, come full circle and see like where we are today with technology and everything, like even from your iPhone where you can like shoot anything or, you know, on film as you and Evan like to shoot, it's kind of like you went ahead and you took out the middleman and you just like made acting happen for you and you made making movies happen for you. Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, there's really no excuse. You have 
a camera in your pocket 24-7. iPhones shoot in 4K. I mean, there's... They shoot in 4K. Yeah. You have no excuse. It's a fine camera if you have no other options. You do something. And I think, I think um, a lot of it, I guess, there's hesitation, understandably, and nobody wants to find fail and stuff, but nobody's good off the bat. There's no reason to go out and think like, oh, I need to spend all this money on equipment. Not anymore. You have a camera. You have a camera in your house. Shoot something. Maybe it won't look good. Maybe it'll suck, but it's it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, even Lady Gaga, who's signed to a major label, who's this big known artist who, I mean, she released her music video that was shot on an iPhone. And, you know, I think that's just very telling as to the way things are shifting where, you know, it's the way you said it, like, just go out there and like, make it happen. There's no excuses. Yeah. I mean, you even look now amidst uh, COVID, TV shows are still happening. They're filming from home on, on their iPhones or on their, you know, computer webcams and stuff. As look, maybe it doesn't look as good. I, I agree. Obviously, it's not going to look as good. But if the content is there, you know, if the subject matter is there, if the content is there, your iPhone is doing a great job at, at capturing it. Oh, yeah. Their, their camera has come such a long way. Dude, I'm telling you, 4K. Yeah. It shoots, what else do you want? It shoots in 4K. Yeah. You already have it. You already have it. Use it. Okay, so now that you are doing it, where do you see it? going i guess five to ten years from now i don't know um my ultimate goal is to be able to make films for a living that's what i want and it's not about being rich or famous um i just would like to be able to do that exclusively and make enough money to to live comfortably i'm saying comfortably not rich not in a mansion right as long as i can pay rent and not worry about um money i mean look it, it, it's a type of industry where no no future job is guaranteed and stuff like that so i guess there's always going to be that level of oh man i hope i get another gig after this look that's the life of it but i just want to be able to to do that exclusively for a living five to ten years i don't know Five to ten years from now, I would think that I would think that I would have a feature done at the very least. Um, I would like for my feature to do well at film festivals, and then maybe um, after that, get some sort of a distribution deal, whether that's with a studio that can put it in theaters or a streaming service, whatever the case may be, and ideally that will lead to me being able to do it again. Yeah, I think that's a good um, five to 10 year goal to have. And I think it doesn't really put much pressure on you to kind of like, you know, make it more than what it has to be or anything like that. I think it's still tied to the essence of the art. And I think that's what's the most important. Like you never want to make it feel like a chore or you know something that like sucks the fun out of it because at the end of the day you you want to create art because it comes from an honest place and because you know you 
want to have something to tell and you want to do it because it's fun for you and you like it, not because you're kind of chasing money for it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fool's errand to get into the arts for the money. Yeah. Because it, it, it's such a low, it's just a, it's just a, such a low, um, it's just a high risk, low reward endeavor, you know? Um, you get into it because you love the art itself. That's why you get into it. And hopefully that can lead you down a path where you can make some money doing it. Um, and yeah, I mean, right now I'm doing it cause I think it's fun and I, and I, and I, and I like doing it. Um, and I just want that to, to, to lead to a career in it. Um, I think even when you do what you love, you're going to have moments where you just want to crawl into a hole and not be bothered just because it's so, it's just so much work or so much stress. I mean, that's going to happen. Um, you know, oh, yeah. they, they say, they say, do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. I mean, you might work a couple days, yeah. you know, there's going to be some days that are going to be tough. I mean, that's the truth. You, you still do it because you love it. Yeah. I mean, like I, I work in media and, you know, like I, I love working in media. I love what I do, but yeah, there's definitely days where I just want to close off for a week and like not have to deal with those obligations. But I feel like that comes with anything anyway at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's that's all I kind of want to do. But we'll see. Right now I'm doing a podcast. Yes. I live in, I'm, I'm just thinking about right now. You know, I try not to think about five years, 10 years. I mean, it's good to have some sort of a plan. Um, but uh, right now I'm just focused on, I got to shoot a fucking short film that I should have shot in April. That's where my mind is right now, you know, uh, All primarily. Right, so when pandemic's over, yeah. what's next? What's next is uh, the short film I should have made already. That's, that's next. Um, getting that done, um, hopefully, you know, um, film festival stuff will start picking back up for our, the previous film. Um, and then, you know, on to the next thing after that. All right. I am available for all associate producer roles. Uh, of course. Just of letting course. you know. If I ever need an associate producer, you'll be the first to know. Yes. All right, Nick, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you for being on Indie Cult. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap it up? Say hello to the bad guys. Oh, God. <laughs> Please follow us on Instagram at Spinning Real Films, on Twitter at Spinning Real F, or email us at spinningrealfilms at gmail.com. That's R-E-A-L for real. Spinning R-E-A-L films. And most importantly, join the cult. Saw myself like this before. Never lost the heat in a battle before. We've never been cheated like cattle before. I just got it wrong or I just lied to y'all. What can I do now to change my ways? Step back and change the days. Uh, step out the maze. Walk in the shade or I just pass the haze. Nothing sane's involved if my brain's involved. Off up a time to explain to y'all. See the moons and stars started devising my plans, but I'm told. Only believe the shit I can hold in my hands. 
I am the vision in this lesson To talk to y'all, you're a fear in your own reflection What to do, be a feline in a rat race You gotta think in danger so you can find your safe place Feel the love and grind the base here Ain't nobody trying to catch a case here Don't matter how you got here I came here to touch but I left here Feel something, feel the love and grind the base here Ain't nobody trying to catch a case here Don't matter how you got here I came here to touch but I left here Feel something, you see your bitch's style nigga Clap that back though And she ain't afraid to smile Clap that back though. And she wanna go and dance on you Clap that back though. Don't spend a little cash on her Clap that back though. How many bitches you fucking How many you loving How many you gonna ignore Till you fucking need it for something I do the same myself, I could I hate on ya Hard to get pussy, make my dick game stronger Nigga got a point, baby, rewind the back uh, And real niggas never dying, and that's a fact uh, So take this $15 Patron shot Gun up your whole block and press these bitches Get out these lame thoughts They need attention, you need reception Wish we all connect to ourselves, this ain't a game She giving you neck, leads to the brain Part of wordplay, that's the shit Some of us niggas is missing in the first place Feel the love and grind the base here Ain't nobody trying to catch a case here Don't matter how you got here, I came here to touch, but I left here feeling something. Feel the love and grind the base here. Ain't nobody trying to catch a case here. Don't matter how you got here, I came here to touch, but I left here feeling something. I'm living for my niggas lost. I'm living cause I'm born a boss. I'm living cause I have it all. I'm living cause I got to. I'm living cause I found me. I'm living cause I'm not you. I need a break for me, I need a reason to see. Beyond anything, y'all can take it from me. Beyond anything, I'll always be this free. I can live in the Dodson, but I'm thinking in a Z, pulling out the pack. Baby, I'm strapped to where they at. I'm a hook away from these AR-15s. And may your motherfucking fear never find me, cause I admit, my pain isn't for everybody. Hardest man to understand the brother in the mirror. And only him my eye or leaving this building. Only I can lose myself and fuck again a villain. Every time I look in my wallet, man, I make a killer. Feel the love and grind the base here. Ain't nobody trying to catch.